As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The presenting sponsor for today's episode here, that podcast growling, is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome in, everybody, to HTPG. Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you. What's up, Jay? I'm very excited to be here. Um, less than 24 hours from now, I will be in beautiful Athens for Dad's Weekend at OU. Oh. And it, it just seems appropriate because like one of, one of the things I most remember from OU was I was there when the Browns and Bengals were both really relevant and those battle of Ohio games, there, there was, you know, kind of an equal contingent from both city. It was, it was contentious. There was a lot of smack talk um, on those games. And so it's going to be interesting to see if today's kids, so to speak, are, are talking about the boo when I'm down there this weekend. These kids, <laughs> these kids. Uh, so yeah, I I remember a lot. I mean, there was a lot of Steelers base there too, mm-hmm. where and you go to Lucky's, which was a Steelers bar at the time, and may still be today. I'm not even sure if it's in existence. I mean, they tore down the Wendy's because nothing's sacred. It so still exists. It, My son works there. He works at, at Lucky's. Lucky's. Yeah, his, his his girlfriend's a bartender, and he is he works in the kitchen cooking. So I will I will ask him that if it's still a Steelers bar. I think I I mean it was at one point in time, but these things change. Yeah. But you're right. The boo, the Battle of Ohio, it brings out the best and worst in everybody, and that's what I appreciate <laughs> about it. Uh, I I have actually have lots of friends coming in town for this game that are that are Browns fans, and the tickets are not cheap. It is uh, it's a it's a it's must see TV again. The boo is back, baby. It's been a while. It. I was gonna say back. I, I was gonna say has it ever left? But it <laughs> left. It. I mean, I don't even remember what it was. We had to go back to Eric Metcalf versus Harold Green. Right, like I, I'm trying to think the last time it was majorly relevant. IJ, I bet you'll have some stats on that 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 we will get to. Of course, we got Jay. You've got multiple stats. We have multiple Jay's got stats. Multiple yep. run pass boots, including another reader submitted or listener submitted. Thank you uh, for that. We're going to get to. We got, of course, 
a Bengals growler bet, which is one of my favorite types of growler bets that we're doing this week that I said, I haven't done one of these in a while, need to do it. So that's coming at the end of the show. Predictions. And of course, our guy, Zach Jackson in Cleveland, who always brings the heat and uh, knows what it's like to cover a, an absurd drama. And uh, he is doing it yet again. Uh, up there this year, so a lot to talk about of everything that's going on in Cleveland. There's tons going on in the news in the league, but the Bengals are quiet, and it's kind of, if you're the Bengals, you have to look around at what's happened in the rest of the league and say, boy, I love the silence in this building right now, because yeah, you be- talk, I mean, you talk about things are going crazy. This is this is that time of year, Jay, around Halloween, between Halloween and Thanksgiving, where you trade deadline issues. You've got see, people see the writing on the wall with seasons, start considering business decisions, start thinking about their future, and injuries start to hurt a little much. So you get all the drama starts. I'm not getting used. This isn't what I was sold. This is the time of year where that stuff really shows up, and I think it's notable. Now, granted, there's some a lot of weird circumstances happening with a lot of this news across the league how quiet it is around the Bengals right now. And that's a very good thing because this is the time of the year where it tends to get loud. Yeah. I mean, they're winning. They're healthy. There's, there's, there's not a lot of meism where, like you said, people complaining about their roles and you look at the news that is popping off and it's like, none of it's good. You go from the horrific in Vegas to what could be a total distraction in green Bay to kind of the deja vu-ish nature of Mike Thomas in, in New Orleans um, tapping out the day after the trade deadline. Um, it, yeah, it's the, the Bengals. Sometimes you you want to be noticed. This is a week where they are more than happy to just kind of live in the shadows and, and get ready for the Browns. Yeah, I was texting with somebody in the organization the other day about how somehow the Bengals losing the Jets became the 45th worst thing to happen <laughs> in the league this week. <laughs> It's like it just all of a sudden, no, like that was just not even that bad anymore. Oh, it's just a loss to recover from, you know. Uh, it's been just an unbelievable busy week. We didn't even talk about the trade deadline, which we will. So, news, uh, as far as on the injury front, things are clean, man. Things continue to be very clean. Jackson Carmen is all good, full go on Wednesday. He will be starting at right guard, uh, against the Browns. Cam Sample did not practice, but is going to practice on Thursday. Uh, according to Zach Taylor, they had limited Chris Evans and Auden Tate, who, of course, missed uh, the game Sunday against the Jets. They're going to kind of monitor them through the week. We'll see where they end up. But there's a chance you have both on Sunday. Um, but we don't know. Uh, of course, Evans with a hamstring and a bye coming next feels like one. You might sit him one extra week knowing you're going to definitely be fully healed. Um, and take all risk out for the second half of the season. But again, uh, something we'll monitor. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Miles Garrett and some stories we have. Jay, you've got a great story up on Larry Ogunjobi, uh, who this is a big week. You know this one was circled for him. Um, but there's a lot of interesting things happening with him there and, and the way he's played and his motivation and all kinds of stuff. Um, highly recommend going that. Subscribe if you... If you are not a subscriber, if you are, thank you. You'll enjoy, I think you'll enjoy that story. I've got us. Uh, we had some our midseason report, which everything is unlocked by State Farm on our midseason report stuff. Um, so if you're not a subscriber, you can go read for free. Uh, Jamar Chase is our midseason rookie of the year. Big shock. But I wrote a story about sort of the, the general overview. Um, if you're just checking in on the Bengals for the first couple of times on on how that happened, 
uh, how this how he, we got to this point going back to the drops and the, the white stripe and all that stuff and the moment that it all changed um, and the conversation changed around Jamar Chase. All that is up, plus I have a story on Golden off script. Um, talked a lot. Actually, Burrow, Chase, Zach, Taylor, very good on off script yesterday. Um, better than I thought they would be. I wasn't really planning to totally dive into the story. I was thinking I was going to save it for Twib, but they were so good, and and I kind of dove into a few more of the plays a little bit deeper and found a lot of interesting stuff in there. So um, a whole story on the Bengals' recent off-script success offensively and how I kind of feel like it might be the next step for this defense when you talk about a team that's now scored 30-plus in three straight weeks. Again, all that on the site. Trade deadline comes and goes, Jay. We predicted – um, by just doing a show before it, <laughs> yeah. that, that that nothing would happen, and the fact that you haven't they haven't traded a player who wasn't didn't have disgruntled before their name since 1984, um, and that ended up being the case. There was one interesting development, um, that for me, and you you can tell me if you think what you think of this, and and I kind of got the impression that. Look, we we know what they were looking for. They're looking for another edge rusher. We, I mean, they had the Osai injury and the Wyatt Hubert injury and Cam Sample and Khalid Kareem and Wyatt Ray have not exactly opened eyes. So they've got this gap. They got the spot here, that third or fourth defensive end, whatever you want to, however you would place it, where it's like could really use some help there. And if you look at the top of the guys that are maybe playing well in some smaller roles or on some teams that are selling. AKA the Houston Texans, who will sell you anything if you're interested. They've got cha- they've got furniture. They've got some some nice real estate. Uh, they the Houston Texans would sell you anything. They also had Charles Omenahu, who's an kind of an underused edge who has been winning a ton. His win percentage is high. When he's been in there, he's been getting after the passer. It's kind of his specialty. Uh, from Texas, played with Joseph Osai. They know each other. They're friends. It all made sense. They were in on it, but in the end, uh, he ends up in San Francisco for a 2023 sixth-round pick. If there was a move, I assumed that would be the one. I think they were interested, but they end up not pulling the trigger on it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it was a 2023, I thought, would have enticed them a little more. Because you can kind of see right now where, number one, they don't trade a lot anyhow, but number two, even by their own estimation, they have to be ahead of schedule. And it, it's one thing when you have a team like the Rams where it's like, this is it. We're going for it. The The Bengals are, I don't want to say they're just happy to be where they're at, but they are ahead of schedule and they don't like to trade draft picks. And it it, it kind of made sense to just kind of wait back and you're going to get Osai back next year. And it's it's it'd be nice to have another edge rusher, but it wasn't urgent. And to give up a pick next year, but to, to put that pick off till 2023, that I mean that that changes it a little bit, but I I guess it probably just came back to not so much the compensation, just the fact of of when the compensation was, but just the fact they don't like to give up draft picks and they're they they're not set at edge, but they have they've have faith in Kareem, they have faith in Sample, um, and again, it's not like one of those we need this one piece to push us over the edge. Um, it was. It would have been a an interesting addition, but it wasn't something that it, it feels like a major miss not to get. 
I think it was a little really? bit. Well, for this for this fact, I mean, you can't think that you're always gonna get. I mean, that, here's here's how I can tell you exactly what you would hear if you were sitting in the office with Duke Tobin and their front office. I can tell you what you would hear. Are you gonna trade Chris Evans for a year and a half of Charles Omenahu? Because that they put names to it, mm-hmm. they'll put a name to that sixth round pick. Are you gonna trade Trey Hill? Uh, for for a year and a half of Charles Amenhu, four years of Trey Hill or four years of Chris Evans for a year and a half of Charles Amenhu? Um, My answer to that should be yes. That's my answer to that. Theirs is different. There is a there is extreme value on these picks. They they feel like everyone, you never know which one can pay off. The more picks, the better. The bottom line is, though, you only have so many chances to be healthy, to be in a good position, to feel like things are all on the same page. And you have a clear spot where you can help your team. And it's not a one-year rental. This is a guy who's, who's done really well in situational pass rushing. He could be your answer next year. Next to Osai. You have the, the Texas duo. And I mean, the fact that it was a year and a half that you could have gotten out of this right in the middle of your window here. Mm-hmm. I mean, for what? For a sixth round pick, let's if you could you could trump San Francisco with a sixth round pick in twenty two, and get that done. I, and I and I I'll buy not going up to a fifth round. You start getting in the fifth round. I mean, there's you start to get a little bit more into success stories. You are just talking about a year and a half. That's fine. You're you're you know John Ross is trending towards getting enough snaps to give you the fourth round comp for Carl Lawson. You're gonna have an extra four. I mean, <laughs> at a certain, there's calculated risks in just being aggressive when you're healthy, being aggressive when you're playing well, being aggressive when your team looks good. You don't know what next year's going to bring or the year after that. For a six-round pick, that's the only thing. I, I, I think, and when I say the Bengals are bad at trading, and I know I say it a lot, and I'm <laughs> sure they hate it, I, it's, it, this is why. I don't think they ever see the upside to a trade in, yeah. in, 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 in season in particular. We've seen them do some. I mean, look, when they've pulled some off, it's been great. They got something for Ryan Finley. They got BJ Hill for Billy Price. Like they have done some trades that have been successful. But it feels like they always has to feel like they are absolutely kicking the other team's ass in the trade to do it. Rather than just something that's more beneficial for both sides. And this would have been beneficial for both sides and really helped you now. So I, I, I thought a bit it's not some big deal. But for me, it was a missed yeah. opportunity, and and you better hope that Trey Hendrickson stays healthy. I mean, a bad trade can be one you don't make. That could be the case here. It'd be mm-hmm. worth watching a minute you to see how he does. You said Chris Evans, Trey Hill, would you trade for them? And you said you would. And those are so far Trey Hill, not really a success story. Even Evans, it, it's a short sample. But you, those are those are good six round picks as they look right now. And you would still trade them. Well, that's. It's kind of the anomaly. What about all their other, their, their more recent six round picks? I mean, Adenogy, Rodney Anderson, Deshaun Davis, Travion Williams. You'd absolutely trade those guys for a Menahue. So it, even though this year's six round picks look to be good, that, and you would still trade them, it, it, that's not always the case. A six round pick is a total flyer. And, 
I think you convinced me. It, it is a little bit more of a bigger deal. It's like it's almost like the 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 Zeitler thing again is just just you know step up one time and and, and go for it. And it's it it's has not even going out. for it though. Like it's a six round <laughs> flyer. We're not talking well, I mean, about go for the move. for go. Von Miller. Yeah, I mean, it'd go for it in terms of pulling the trigger and making the move, not selling all out. It'll be yeah, it will be interesting. See, and Amenahu will be here uh, next month, and we'll we'll see firsthand what kind of pass rush he's given the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, he's twenty four, and you'd get a year and a half of him in a contract year too. Mm. It's like. I mean, I don't know. it's just a nice, it would have been a nice fit. And he's got a good buddy from Texas on the team in the same position. The Texas duo, you can feel it now, the Texas two-step, right? Like, they, <laughs> we can come up with all kinds of dumb nicknames for it. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's focus on a big game this weekend. Um, Jay, you got a story up on Larry Ogunjobi. I'm really interested in watching 65 on Sunday. Yeah, I am too. It, you know, it's funny because they all, everybody always downplays it. You know, the fact of going against a former team and and there's really, I think everybody knows. I mean, it's just human nature. And I, and I thought Marion Hobby, the defensive line coach, he just put it out there. He said. Yeah, it's going to mean more. He went through it. He got drafted in the third round by the Vikings, got cut, didn't even make their roster. And a year later, he's he's on the Patriots and he's playing the Vikings. He's like, yeah, there's a little more of that game. And then and he likened it to, you know, seeing your ex-girlfriend out with her new boyfriend. It's just, <laughs> it, it's going to get you. And the thing is, it's it's it, I think it's a little different for a defensive lineman where, and, and Marion Hobby brought this point up, that, you have to remember your current teammates more than your former teammates. You can't you can't go out and try to be Superman and do too much to show that other team because you're going to be out of position and you're going to cost your current team. Um, and, and I think Larry's the perfect guy to to deal with this because he is he's he has a fire to him, but it's it's controlled and he he's a soft spoken guy. He's not going to go out there and be all rah rah and. and you know, try to play over his head, but Jesse Bates mentioned it earlier this year. He, he, he's playing pissed off, not Sunday when he's playing the Browns, he's playing pissed off this entire year. He's, he, since he got here, he's had something to prove and he's been proving it. And this just kind of takes it to another level. And, um, it will, it's going to be fun to watch. And the, the most interesting, when I talk to Larry, I ask him about, you know, 
when you want to prove a team wrong, you're proving the decision makers wrong. The guys you're actually going to be competing against were your former brothers. Um, you know, what do you think of J.C. Treader and Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio and these offensive linemen you're going to be going against? And he's like, they're good. <laughs> he didn't want to say anything about them at all. He didn't want to talk about he, – he really didn't want to talk about the Browns. But, um, you know, I, I kind of – Kind of pulled a few quotes out of him. And then the best part was that the story leads with uh, him and Miles Garrett's little beef as rookies because Miles Garrett stole the big room and stuck him in the baby room. And um, <laughs> it, it, Miles said, ask him about it because he thought it was funny. And I asked Larry about it. And, and Larry said, it's not funny. It pissed me off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, fortunately, the, the team realized it was a bad setup and they moved Larry into his own room. But it's just it's just really interesting, the, the inner dynamics here with Larry going back, but going not going back as the game's here, but getting a chance to play his the team that brought him into the NFL. What I like about Larry Ogunjobi um, for the fit for this team is, you know, the fact that your three technique is so good stopping the run too mm-hmm. um, has made a big difference in them being really good at stopping the run, and that's why he's the perfect player to be in a three technique going against the Browns, whose whose best offense right now is running the ball. I think they might be like the only team in the NFL who's like has a higher EPA, um, it, you know, running it than passing it. It's like almost impossible to do. And but with but next to Reader. Uh, and Sam Hubbard, guys who really specialize in that, but they can still get out the passer. You know, it makes a difference. He's third in the NFL in stops amongst interior edge rushers, according to PFF, tied for third. But he's also top 20 in pressures. Hmm. And they have him in the top 10 in sacks. So you, you <laughs> that's that's the complete player, and I think that's what they've gotten. You've gotten a motivated guy. And I, I you know... There was some players talking yesterday, you know, how Larry's very even keel. Logan Wilson, he's very even keel. I don't expect him to get all pissed off. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, even keel people still burn underneath, okay? Yes. Just because you're even keel, you're good at being even keel on the out. Doesn't mean that you're not pissed off on the inside. And um, I, I'm really interested to see. I think Ogunjobi's going to have a big, big, big day. Yeah. I mean, he's he's had a lot of them already, so it just goes to follow that he that – Sunday will be another one and maybe even bigger than what he's shown so far. Really, I mean, so much of this game is is going to be about what so many Bengals games are about now, and it's can they can they keep the pressure off without having to just get rid of the ball immediately? And, you know, what have we seen? We've seen the Bengals have been explosive. They have been taking shots in the last month plus. I mean, Nobody can say they aren't trying to throw it deep. That they're not taking their shots because they are. They're they're using play action for them. They're they're throwing deep balls down this down to Chase. They're throwing them to Higgins. They're they're coming up with all kinds of ways to try to be explosive. And some of them have required, and honestly, maybe even been lucky to stave off some pressure um, as they take those shots. Can you keep Miles Garrett from not ruining those? At least not all of them. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, it is unbelievable what he is doing this year. He's he's the best. I mean, it shouldn't surprise. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's surprised by that Miles Garrett's the best edge in the game. I mean, he's been that. But he's been even better this year. I mean, he's 
the number that stuck out at me, like sometimes we go through these numbers and it's just like, oh, numbers, numbers, whatever. And everybody's kind of together and does a lot of the same things. And then you see a weirdo outlier and you're like, was that, am I reading this wrong? True pass sets amongst all edge rushers. Win percentage. It's a PFF, PFF has all that. Win percentage. How many times you win in, in a true like drop back and pass? No RPOs, no like the quick hit stuff, you know, screens, whatever. True pass. My man is winning 45% of the time. <laughs> like everyone else is down in the low 30s. The next the next group, like from like all the top tier is all in the low 30s. 45%. You want to do a true drop back and pass? Good luck. He coming. and you know he's got the and he's the grim reaper so it's how do you handle that i think you'll see they'll give jonah respect that he can handle a little bit but you're gonna see a lot of help over there yeah well oh by the way on the other side is jadavian Clowney. so Mm -hmm. it's it's not i mean it it is it's remarkable what miles garrett's been able to do he's he's the the athletics Obvious midseason defensive player of the year. He's probably going to win defensive player of the year league wide. Um, he had he had nine pressures in that first game against the Bengals last year. That Thursday night game, he had the forced fumble. He lined up inside, had the forced fumble that really kind of turned that one in the Browns. Even though the Browns are running the ball down their throat, that one really kind of swung that game. Um, he's just he's. I don't want to say he's impossible to block, but it is going to be a huge test for Jonah Williams. And Jonah did have that great play against him in that game where he kind of saw him last second and gave him a little shove past Joe Burrow and basically saved Joe Burrow's life. But it's – I don't know. I don't know how you stop that guy and, and still enough to take the shots they need to take to, to keep this offense going. Um, it, it, it This could be a, a big Joe Mixon game um, if the Bengals need to pull this out or are able to pull this out. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think you you do you do quick hits, you do things like that. But you know, what do we what did we see, you know, in the last couple of weeks, in particular against the Ravens? You know, they weren't afraid to put uh, a tight end and a running back to either side of Burrow to kind of make sure they're there to to pick stuff up and and have his options out of the back with CJ and it was awesome Ajay that day too. Um, it, where they can go out there and easily give you a chip if needed or or see a blitzer coming off or whatever it is. I wonder how much of that we'll see or much how much they'll just do straight tight bunches with chips coming off the side, you know, or just lining the tight end up over there to make sure either way, you know, Garrett seems to find a way and they, they will move him around, not a ton, but but they will move him around. And they, they have other guys. That's just it. I mean, they have other guys up the middle that can make plays. You mentioned Clowney. I'm not as scared of Clowney. He's had a he's had probably his best season, um, and I think that's because he's getting a lot of one on ones o- over there. Um, I I I think you can live with a lot of Riley Reef versus Jadavian Clowney, and and you're willing to take that on. Um, but you know it's it's going to be can they keep this from turning into a pressure debacle? Um, and 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 I, I don't know. I think I think we'll we'll find out. I mean, I got Malik, Malik Jackson up the middle. Mm-hmm. Who's, I mean, that and that's Joe where Burrow like, certainly remembers Malik Jackson. <laughs> maybe the, maybe the biggest hit that he's that he. I mean, has to be the biggest hit he took last year 
Yeah, and then there was some in that Eagles game. That, uh, that, but, but, was, oh yeah, but that the, was him. Yeah, yeah, right. That was the one where he he held it too long and came back the other way. You back, just yeah, can't. Yeah. That's that's the ultimate rookie. You can't go back that way. <laughs> that is that is you have no help back there. It was uh, Malik, the one that kind of shoved him out of bounds too, and told him you're not getting that call, rookie. Uh, I I, there was a couple of different yeah. people doing that stuff to him. Yeah, uh, in that game, without doubt. Um, yeah, so there's 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 the Browns have plenty to be nervous about, and their defense is is absolutely solid. Um, let's let's get a little bit uh, more from the Cleveland side in right now, and then we'll we'll dive a little bit more uh, into this game. So let's start here. Did record this on Wednesday morning before the poo poo hit the fan a little bit more. I should say. <laughs> uh, so this was this was before Odell Beckham Jr. was excused from practice Wednesday and again on Thursday and reportedly just Kevin's fancy told the team he's basically not on the team. Uh, his dad posted on Instagram an 11-minute montage of Baker not throwing the ball to Odell when he was essentially open, which I mostly appreciated because he took the time to do the Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. musical overlay on it but. which it's i really liked that i just think that shows the extra effort of caring you know and so <laughs> I, the thing was that song's five and a half minutes long so i'm like oh i'm what's the next song gonna be no just he more. just played that sec- he just played that song twice in a row when you I, hurt that bad yeah you just keep on hurting i can't listen to that song two <laughs> times in a row i had to i had to mute the video and just watch it <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Uh, all right, so let's let's bring in our conversation with our guy in Cleveland, Zach Jackson. Zach, how are you doing today? Oh, Jay, I'm great. I always look forward to this. You know that. <laughs> I don't know how, how much Bengal fans are paying attention, but Odell Beckham Sr. comes out, posts the video earlier this week, uh, an 11-minute video set to music of every time that Baker Mayfield even either missed or didn't throw the ball to, to Odell Jr. Um, how bad is this getting up there right now well um we'll start with on the field odell's not the only guy who's wide open right a couple times they've thrown odell and he's dropped it um jay i think you guys in cincinnati might relate that the (laughs) the sum of the parts is not you know um equal to the parts right right now like the browns have a good roster the browns were off to a three and one start right and they're just not playing well you know as for the drama with that um, it's unnecessary. They're a very immature team. I mean, Miles Garrett is going to be NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He wore a cape to the game. They lost, and he wore a cape to the post game. You know, like <laughs> Baker's always um, fighting fights on Instagram. And, you know, in his post game press conference Sunday, he basically admitted that Colin Cowherd was in his head and he said, I know how this week's going to go. Like, so, you know, the offense is disjointed for a lot of reasons. Um, the lack of a vertical passing game. Baker's clearly playing through a significant injury. You know, last year they had the best offensive line in the league, and it's still a very good offensive line, but they've had guys in and out because of injury. And, you know, Kareem Hunt, who's the best running back, probably in a best backup running back in NFL history, mm-hmm. right, in the top 10 back in the league and is so important to this offense and still shares the team lead in receptions, um, is out. So, so they're missing guys, and they just haven't found that gear. And re- rarely have they even found that gear for more than a drive at a time, Jay. So, um, you know, it's Wednesday morning as we record this, and we haven't heard, you know, who's in this week or how they're actually going to respond to the drama. But the product just looks 
choppy, and they've been pressing. They spent the whole month of October pressing. First it was defensive breakdowns. Now it's offensive rhythm. And now you're you're teetering because losing that division opener last week made it so you have to go into a hostile environment, a game both teams need, right? But if the Browns don't get this one, um, then they're really chasing the, uh, from behind in the second half of the year. Yeah, you used the word teetering. I was going to ask about that because they were my pick to win the division. I just loved what they had going on up there. And I'm three of the next four on the road, they're going to be underdogs in all of them at New England, Cincinnati this week, obviously, Baltimore sitting out there. I mean, does it feel like it's kind of on the brink right now that it, it could go, it can either turn around and look like it's supposed to, or it could go super far south? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to turn around. Uh, I will say that last year, specifically the one year that they sustained it, you know, at, at this point of the year, they were far from a great team. So there, there are good players and this roster is better. Um, you know, I was talking to someone last week and we were joking because we were just joking, even though the quarterback is obviously a big picture issue. And I said, you can't jump to any conclusions because we don't know whether this team is going to be drafting 12th or drafting 27th. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and losing to the Steelers is, is probably bad. But they're right there in the standings. Uh, Nick Chubb should be a little bit healthier. Kareem should be back by the end of the month. You know, as for winning this game, Jay, I I would have to see it to believe it from the past game. You know, other than passes to Jarvis Landry, who had his own personal meltdown in the fourth quarter, there's just nothing consistent, specifically out, outside the opening scripts, um, and and it's been a struggle to do anything. So, you know, I I, I think. I'm not writing off the Browns because of the talent and because they finally have some continuity and some track record that says they can play well in the back half of the year. But to watch them over the last 10-ish, 12-ish, 14-ish quarters, um, they they do not look anything like a playoff team or, or a team that would be strong enough um, physically or maturity-wise you know, to hang in in what's going to be a wild AFC North. I mean, Mike White just won AFC Offensive Player of the Week by dinking and dunking his way through the Bengals' defense. I, I, I mean, I guess it is a concern in Cleveland that, that they, Baker can't stretch the field, but that kind of plays right into their strengths, right? It's a lot of screens and misdirections and bootlegs. And um, the, 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 Do they need to get that deep ball going this week to win, or do you think they can do the same recipe the Jets did? Yeah, if Mike White can throw for 430, then Baker can throw for at least 275 is the way I look at it. Um, yeah, no, they don't need to. Um, you, you've seen Baker, like, he gets hot, right? Like, you've seen him put it right on guys, and, and this offense um, has been good at getting different people involved. But I just think defenses have been able to not have to even respect it at all. Right. And so in that regard, you always need to be able to at least test people and whether that's just to keep them a little bit honest or hope that you draw a pass interference flag or, you know, ideally bust a 70 yard touchdown on the second drive of the game and change the shape of things. You can do that. Can they win without it? Yeah. If they play a cleaner game, penalties have been a problem. You know, if Nick Chubb's healthy and the O line gets pushed and and they can go, um, there's just a lot of ifs, Jay. So I, I don't think this will be a 15-10 game like Browns-Steelers was. But I also don't think that the Browns – you know, I, I think the Browns has to start with defense and some ball control. I don't think that they, they're going to win if it's 30-24. to 24. I think the Bengals would win if it's 30-24. to 24. All right, let's just take a quick break. 
curious to get your take on are they good? Defensive, they're third overall yards allowed per game, third in running yards allowed per game, seven in passing yards. That sounds great, but DVOA, they're 19th, they're 13th in scoring. I just, is this a great defense in your mind? It's not. Um, It's an improved defense personnel wise, and it's a scary defense when everything comes together. I mean, even though it feels like a long time ago, Jay, week four, I mean, Minnesota's a pretty good team, pretty flawed team, but pretty good team, right? They held them in their stadium to seven points, and it was Clowney wreaking havoc. It was Garrett wreaking havoc. It was the rookie Wusu Koromoa flying all over the place, and the DBs were making plays You know when, when they did get tested down the field. Now Wusu Koromoa is out for at least a couple more weeks. I mean, he's a legit defensive rookie of the year candidate. They didn't have Tack McKinley last week, which which forced Garrett and Clowney to play more snaps. Um, th- those guys have been mostly dominant, and I know the Bengals' O-line is better. I don't think there's any O-line that, that cleanly blocks those guys for four quarters, right? Yeah. Um, they it, The Browns' defensive success starts there. But without Owusu Kormoa, without Jacob Phillips, the lack of speed at linebacker is glaring. Um, the top safety, John Johnson, has a neck sprain. I, there's a chance he'll play, but right now we can't say that he will. Denzel Ward's hoping to come back off the hamstring, but it just they're vulnerable. They're they're not been consistent at all, and um, they've only caused four turnovers the whole year. So so Miles is going to win AFC or NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and he might break the sack record. But frankly, like he needs to take the ball away because the Browns need a spark, right? Mm-hmm. And they just have not been able to consistently since that Minnesota game, you know, make, make a couple, they've made one big play here, here and there. Garrett certainly made his sacks, but they have not had a performance for like a quarter and a half or two quarters. They make a huge play and just derail the opposing offense and, and get a chance to build a lead. I mean, even last year when they were bad, Jay, they would force turnovers. The offense would go aggressive and score and they would change the game in a three or four play sequence. And it's been changing the game in one play sequences with Miles Sachs. There hasn't been sustained success from that defense. Yeah. I think one big concern with the Bengals offensive line is it is getting better, but you, you still it, pressure can break through anywhere. It seems like, and you look at, at just the sack numbers and, you know, miles got 10 and a half and what Clowney has three and a half. Is it, do they need more production across that D line, or is it just a matter of the miles gets there so fast that the other guys are getting there too? They're just not quite as fast as miles. No, I, yeah, yes and no. You know, uh, I mean, they held the Steelers to fifteen. They probably should have won the game, yeah. right? Um, the week before, I mean, Denver stinks, but they held Denver to two first downs in the first half. Hmm. Uh, Arizona sliced them up pretty good, but but the offense just really couldn't keep up in that game and. Um, it was it was pretty much over a quarter and a half in, so you don't judge a lot from there. Um, yeah, the, like I said, when the Browns win, right, the defensive line is dominant. It's been consistently pretty good, but I just given the state of things, it needs to be great. And, and it's unfair expectations, but Miles is that good. Like you can't put expectations on that guy. He is just not of this planet. Um, so it's as ridiculous as it sounds like you're asking him to have two or three sacks and take the ball away once uh, for them to win right now. What was the reaction to his cape? I mean, I thought it was an incredible costume pregame, but yeah, that's not a good look wearing that into the postgame. How was that received in <laughs> Cleveland? Um, you know, it's, it is quickly swept away by the, um, 
you know, the drama of, of the Instagram and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And it, listen, he's, he's a grown up and, and he makes that choices. I mean, no one's questioning miles Garrett effort or commitment because he's right. out there doing it every time. It's just, you know, these guys are the off season workout video champions of the world. Right. <laughs> and this is now twice in three years. And this season's not over where it's like people, and you just said it, right. People are starting to believe that the Browns are good. Um, and now that there's real adults in charge, it felt like, and that they finally got to a playoffs and won a playoff game last year, there was some substance to back that up. And now when you look at all the crap on the outside and the lack of product, I mean, you know, a lot of people, mostly me, when I found that video are just pointing to the fact that it's out there. Well, when you watch the video, (laughs) the guys really are wide open. Yes. Right. So, so there's a lot going on, um, that, that the Browns need to fix. How much of it could be temporarily fixed by just one really good game, right? And one big division win on the road that gets you right back to a half game out of first place. Um, probably a lot of it, uh, you know, because it, it is a week-to-week league and there are nine games left. But just, just the overall vibe that they're putting off is is one that says they're not ready to play with the big boys. Well, I, I was going to say we will see on Sunday. I don't know if the Bengals are big boys yet. Um, they're, they're, they're trying to get into that club, but uh, last week certainly didn't help their membership at all. Um, looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Um, I don't I don't know if uh, – are you a big Skyline Chili fan? Are you, you have big plans for coming down? Um, there's been times where Bengals press box trips I've gained you know 20 pounds over the course <laughs> of the season. Um, I don't know my exact travel plans. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy the trip. I, enjoy, I always enjoy th- this game. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I think the world of Joe Burrow, having known about him and watched him many, many years ago. And, and you know, I, I think there's a possibility that week 17 has ramifications, too. But I, I just know, given the way last Sunday afternoon went for both teams, that this is a really big game. And, and right, like. Nance and Romo, Browns and Bengals. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> I, three weeks ago, I stumbled onto a scalper site and $300 for nosebleeds. So uh, I guess it's maybe te- tempered a little bit by, by last week, but this, this should be fun because um, you'd have to go back a lot of years for Browns and Bengals to play many meaningful games. They've had one or two here and there, but, but this is certainly in the last 10 years, um, you know, pretty high up there on the list. Yeah, 2014, last time both teams were 500 or better when they played. The so. night they were chanting Brian Hoyer inside Paul Brown Stadium. Yes. No, it night. was actually uh, – it was later than that. It was the Johnny Manziel first career start 30 to nothing game. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah but the, the fir- that first game that Thursday night or the, the yes. Eagles just didn't show up and the Browns just kicked their ass. Yes. yes. That was and the Andy the, Dalton uh, 2.0 game. Obviously the second time around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, great. I really appreciate you jumping on with us, Zach, and uh, look forward to seeing you on Sunday to celebrate the OU win over Miami and uh, safe travels down here. All right. Thanks, Jay. All right, Jay. Anything surprise you that you heard from Zach? You know, I mean, I know do the whip around and and you kind of get a we've gotten a pretty good feel for where Cleveland's at. But I mean, to kind of get a little deeper conversation in there, any, anything surprise you? No, I wouldn't say anything surprised me. I just. It, well, I wanted to ask him, and I'm glad I didn't because it, it's the what way things played out. But it, it just almost felt like the, this stewing is causing the problem. Like, do, do Baker and Odell just need to have it out on the side? Not fight, but just get in that screaming match. Have that blow up on the sideline, and then everybody kind of 
exhale and get back on the same page. This like this passive aggressive behind the back sniping kind of thing. They just that's that's the thing that kind of lingers and it gives Stefanski credit for for pulling the trigger and and doing what he did. But but yeah, there's I mean the Browns themselves are what have surprised me. As I mentioned with, with Zach, I picked him to win the division. I really thought they were going to be the the elite team in the league this year. And um, you know, people say it all the time, same old Bengals. It's like Cleveland now is they're not the same old Browns yet, but th- their season is teetering. It, it could go south in a hurry. I mean, they're they're so talented. Their roster yeah. is is so talented, so well built. I I you know they've run into the big question that the last thing they wanted to run into. And that was, I don't think Baker's enough. Mm-hmm. And now he's hurt. And so now he's playing with this, with this shoulder thing. And he's got this harness that keeps him from really doing a lot on his left side. It's <laughs> like, you know, they're trying to piece him together. It's weekend at Bernie's out there. And, <laughs> and, and, and basically they're just like, we're going to, run the ball a ton. We're, we're going to throw screens. We're going to keep stuff underneath. They're just not very, not ex- as explosive. And I'm sure that's part of where Odell's issues come from, but he also, I don't know how good he even is anymore, mm-hmm. but you know, the Baker Mayfield that we saw in the shootout here last year in Cincinnati, I don't know if we'll see that guy. I don't think they're capable of winning like that this year. No. The Jets weren't capable of winning like that last week when we talked about on Tuesday show how similarly similar these offensive attacks are going to be. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't see Baker taking a lot of shots down the field, especially with with Odell out, and they they may not need to. This this could be one of those games where it's, it's a lot of Chubb and Dearness Johnson and underneath stuff and Joku the tight end. Um, it's the the. The Bengals won to prove last week was a blip, and there's there's no better proving ground than than this offense. I just I, I don't I don't know I, I don't I don't know yet if this Bengals defense is going to be able to learn from their mistakes of what we saw. I, I don't know because I'm just really curious to see how much Cleveland employs the Mike White strategy. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, Luana Rumo didn't seem to really think that there was much else he could have done. We we tried blitzing. We tried sitting in the zone. We tried man. We, you know, we did different stuff, yet they still just went out there and got every 10-yard completion they wanted. You better be willing to figure out something different this week. And, and I just, I wonder how much we'll see something different or how much we'll see them trying to do the exact same thing and just tear this team up underneath because obviously that's what they would prefer to do considering the issues they've had with Baker. But the thing I like about this matchup beyond that is the the Browns want to run the ball. It's really what makes their offense go. If they can just get out there and run it and screen off of it and boot off of it and all that stuff. And just this this team has tra- has really been good against the run. I'm not the Jets thing is weird. I'm kind of I'm gonna throw. They've been really good against teams that line up and try to run it on you all year, and they're healthy there. Ogunjobi, Reader, Hubbard, Tupo, all those guys are really good in that respect. The linebackers have been good in that respect. So I, for that fact, I like the matchup. I think they can contain Nick Chubb. I think. 
<laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but, I, but I do. I think they can. I think that's good. I mean, I think that's a good spot for them to be in, and especially on an offense that's struggling. And I, and I think they're going to come out mad. Well, and that's the thing with with Mike White was – Maybe they ex- kind of expected that, but it he, it is it was so much of a wild card, not knowing what he could do and not knowing if he could go over the top. They the Bengals know with how hurt Baker is or what he's dealing with that he's probably not going to be able to go over the top and beat him. So they can sell out a little more, stack the box, and and really take away that run game. I I don't think I don't think it's going to both those games last year were were shootouts, e- even though it was kind of a the first one was Browns ahead by two scores, then one score. That was the Bengals were playing catch up the entire time, but they were scoring just as much as the Browns in the second half of that game. I don't think it's going to be that way. That the Bengals have scored over thirty three straight games. I'd be surprised if they get over thirty in this one. You'd feel pretty good if they did. That's for sure. Um, Jay, do you got some boo stats? I'm ready for some boo stats. <laughs> I do have some boo stats. <laughs> they always they're always good because they're always unbelievable. Because the, these two teams have just been unbelievable in nature, so let's let's go. I want some Jay's got boo stats. So as I mentioned it with my conversation with Zach that the last time that the Bengals and Browns faced each other when they both were five hundred or better was two thousand fourteen. Um, it was that the game Johnny Manziel made his first start. The Bengals won thirty to nothing. Um, they actually both those games that year, as Zach mentioned, the Thursday night game, the Andy Dalton two point game. Um, both teams were were over 500 going into that game. Um, I wanted to go back further because I was like, I, I feel like there hasn't been that many even beyond 2014, and I was right. This, this game Saturday will be just the fourth time in the last 51 meetings of the <laughs> Bengals and Browns that both teams have been 500 or better. The only <laughs> other one was in 2001 the Bengals were 2 and 2 and the Browns were 3 and 1 in week oh my 5. God. You know how bad this is? There there was a season opener when both teams weren't 500 or better. In 2000 the Bengals had a week 1 bye because they weren't sure if the stadium was going to be ready. So they played their season opener in week 2 and the Browns came into that game 0 and 1. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! It's good. It's good to have. I I like Bengals Browns being good. Is 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 a great thing for the city and for football mm-hmm. here because it's a it's a fun rivalry. It has a good old tradition. For those that remember, it was like a generation of people who don't understand that, but um, it's it's a fun game. It's a fun rivalry. You have very, you know, the history, but the fan bases too. There's so much intertwining. Uh, it, you know, between people living in both, it's just it's a fun rivalry to have, and it's it'd be nice. It's nice when they're fun again, and I think the cost of tickets inside Paul Brown Stadium this re- this weekend dictates that how fun it is and how fun it can be uh, when these two teams are both good and going against each other. And they they can replicate anything that looks like the second game between these two teams last year at Paul Brown Stadium. Be fun, one of the most entertaining games you'll ever see even though it ended in insanely heartbreaking fashion for the Bengals, um, like most games did last year. Uh, you can see how entertaining these two teams going against each other can be. That's a, that's a, that's a good one, though. Um, let's bring – I want to do a run-passer boot here. We've got a 
listener submitted run pass or boot this one from kevin meyer in denver who sent via email again if you if you have a good idea for a run pass or boot for a game just let us know you can just shoot it to us on twitter or you can always should we you know what should we do a uh hashtag run pass or boot cop for, for people to send to us just like we do Bengals growler bet so it could just, just be run pass fill boot. up my inbox yeah it could be run <laughs> pass boot you don't need to throw the or in there Oh, do we? Do we go or no or? Oh, that, I think cap- run, pass, or boot. Okay. Hashtag run, pass, or boot all together there on Twitter. And if you have ideas for a run, pass, or boot that we could do, you can drop it to us there. Uh, or you can you can still email me, pdaner at theathletic.com. Kevin did. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure Kevin will, I'm going to assume, be in attendance to the game when the Bengals go to Denver later this year. Uh, but he's got a good one. I, Kevin, I hope you, I hope you can accept my apology. I tweaked it slightly to make it, I think, a little bit more on point. Here it is. Sunday's game. What will be higher? Miles Garrett sack yardage. Joe Burrow first half completions. Combined field goal points. Combined field goal points. That's an interesting one. How many? It really is. You know, because here's there's a few different issues at play. Can they block Miles Garrett? Will he just dominate this game? Will the Bengals be better in the red zone where they struggled a little bit and had to settle for some field goals against the Jets? Will we see, you know, the the long field goals that we've seen? How much will they even dare to throw early in the game? We've seen games where they just are opening it up immediately and throwing it all over the place. Will they still do that even with the pass rush that the Browns present? All those at play in this. A good one. Good one from Kevin. All right. What do you got, Jay? This is a good one. I mean, it's really hard. Um, it's tempting just to run with Miles Garrett. But, I mean, you figure the average sack is, what, six, seven yards. So even if he gets three, yeah, that would put him over the top. I'm, I'm, I think he gets two sacks. Um, I'm going to run with field goal points. I could see this being... I already said I didn't think it was going to be a shootout. I could see this being one of those games, even though the Bengals have been pretty good in the red zone. This this could be a kicker game. So I'm going to run with the field goal points. Um, I do think the Bengals are going to try to get Mixon established and and slow down that pass rush and not throw it a lot early. Maybe not at all, unless they have to. So I'll pass on the Miles sack yardage, and I'll boot the Burrow first-half completions. You're going to boot it. Okay. All right, uh, I am going to run with Burrow first half completions. Mm. I, I think he's going to. I think he's going to throw it a decent amount. Uh, I'm going to say 14 Burrow first half completions. Mm. I'm going to pass on the field goal points, and I'm going to say nine, and I'm going to boot Garrett sack yardage, and I'm going to say eight. Because even if he has two, there's a chance one of them is like only for two or three yards or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to hedge my bet a little bit there and say, Garrett, I'm going to boot Garrett. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Play at home. Play with your friends. Send in your submissions to pdanertheathletic.com or hashtag run pass or boot on Twitter. And we'll make sure we set up that column and we'll we'll check it every week. Um, Jay, you've also got some set. We talked, you know, the middle eight now is like this this big thing. It's Tom Brady talked about it, so makes it even more important that Tom Brady didn't call him the Morrison minutes. <laughs> what is he doing? He went on the Manning cast, starts talking about the middle eight. Doesn't he know they have a name? 
I just was so offended. You should be offended. Tom needs to give you your credit. You basically invented the middle eight portion of a game. <laughs> uh, but you have some good stats on the middle eight. What do you got? Yeah, so they this year, the Bengals are tied for second in the league in middle eight points. They have 58. Saints also have 58. Browns, fourth, 56. So that could be if, – if one team's second in the league and one team's fourth in the league – that could be something that d- determines this game. Uh, the Rams are out in front with 65. They lead the league. Um, to do this, you have to look up points scored, certain point of the game. And to do that, those those stats only go back to 2000. But where the Bengals are at right now, 58 points, puts them on pace for 123 this year. The, the league record back to 2000 is 128. So they're doing it as well. Now, yes, they'll have one extra game that helps kind of inflate that total a little bit more, but they're doing it as well as anybody has over the last two decades, getting points at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Um, the, the two teams two teams have done it. The uh, Broncos in 2014 had 128 middleweight points, and the Patriots in 2010 had 128 middleweight points. So if, if you're in the zone with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, that's a good place to be. Uh, Brian Callahan on that staff in Denver yes. with, with Peyton Manning. Um, that's that's you know I think you're right. I mean both teams clearly stress it and have flipped games that way. Um, I, you know the thing is how long are teams going to understand? It's it, it's you know it, teams know what the Bengals are trying to do there. It's it's the it's the adjustments to the adjustments, Jay. You know it's always we always had to go into the deep football talk on that. Uh, you know, how can you take advantage of what they're trying to take away? And now that they've seen that so many times, and, and we'll see. Um, I got a, we had another run passer boot to kind of touch on. You, you mentioned the middle eight, mm-hmm. so let's dive into a run passer boot off that. You came up with this one, I credit you on that. Yeah, so based on what we saw last week with the, the Bengals not being able to stop the short underneath stuff, and the, the Browns having such good. Running backs and a running attack and throwing to those guys. Um, Browns running backs yards per touch. So basically scrimmage yards divided by touches. Or Bengals middle eight points. Or Baker Mayfield yards per attempt. And if you want you want some math on this, the, the Bengals middle eight points, they're averaging 7.3 per game. And on the touches... Dearness Johnson and Nick Chubb are averaging 6.5 and Baker Mayfield's down there in the low sixes in yards per attempt. So if you're, if you're looking at just going on the average Bengals middleweight points is at the top, but I don't know if, if that's the way you want to run today or not. I am tempted. I, I'm tempted. This is a, this is another really good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna boot Baker yards per attempt. I don't think we're gonna see a Mike White part two. I'm curious to see it, but I'm gonna bet against it. Uh, I am gonna run. I'm gonna run with the Bengals middle eight. I mean, they have been so good at it. I I I think we'll see them see them score at least a touchdown, and. Again, I talked about the run defense. I think they're going to play pissed off. I think they're going to be really focused on trying to stop the Browns' run game, even though it's very, very good. Uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on on running back yards per touch. I don't like I don't like any of the things I just did, but that's what I'm going with. I'm gonna flip it. I'm gonna boot Baker too because I just I don't think that that's gonna look great. But I I do feel like they can do a good job on Chubb, but I also feel like he could break one. He the just only t- it takes one and. If if he does that, that'll really boost up that yards per touch. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run with Brown's backs yards per touch, pass on the middle eight, and then boot Baker's yards per attempt. All right, play at home, of course. And again, you can send those to us. Um, we'll let's drop in our Bengals growler bet. Speaking of send to us again, P Daner at theathletic.com or hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. No winner last week because no one was crazy enough to think that Mike White was going to throw for like what did it end up being one twenty six more than one forty six more forty six thank you uh, yeah nobody predicted that so <laughs> one of my favorite growler bets that we do is I love time of game I just I like time of, I like tracking it and I like if you if you have submitted a certain time that you're looking for it and you're watching those five seconds this is the play I need. Right, like I, I love that. So, we've talked a lot about Miles Garrett in here because he's a reason to talk a lot about him because he's uh, an incredible pass rusher. He's had a sack in every game except for uh, Houston, and that was in week two for them. So, him getting a sack is almost a sure thing. I'm going to take no sack off the table. Sorry, everybody that wants to predict the Bengals are going to just be the shutdown unit. I just, I just don't want that a part of the equation. So under the assumption that miles Garrett will get a sack at some point, because he has an all every game, but one time of first miles Garrett sack. You need to be within five seconds of the snap. So on the, in the game book, the snap, is five, you think five is too wide of a range, I, Jay? I, I do. I think you're asking for it. I, the last time we did a time of game, I said three. We compromised at four. And I, but, I think if, if we had gone five, someone would have hit it. But yes, but that was different. That was when something where everybody knew you could probably kind of pick towards the end of the game. Yeah, you're right. This could come. Maybe more people think to pick early, but I, it can come anywhere. You're really, it's a wide range of when Miles Garrett's sack will come. So I'm going to give you five seconds because I'm a nice guy. Yeah, as long as you're buying the beer, I'm I'm fine with five seconds. <laughs> uh, so we'll, that's that's it. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter um, or P Daner at theathletic.com. What are you saying, Jay? Uh, well, you know what my number is going to look like. It's a palindrome. I'm going nine thirty nine first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I still need a thing. I still need a thing. <laughs> Uh, I think I might be going against one of my other run passer boots. This is like the point where I, I can't do more than two fantasy football teams because I'm too often like playing <laughs> against myself and I can't stand that. Like, I don't want to have to root against a guy who's on my team in another league and I have to debate which league I care about more. I know, Jay, you don't care about that type of stuff. Nah. Uh, you'll have as many bets in the air as possible. Uh, but I will do – I'm going to put it in the middle eight. I'm going to say 151 – in the second quarter, I'm going to say Bengals are kind of throwing, trying to get some points in the two minute. And so 151 in the second quarter for me. That's that's my thought. It is All worth right. noting I have a three game or a th- yeah, three game winning streak on the growler, but I've even the season tally at four to four. That is not worth noting. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, prediction time. Uh, 
what do you what do you got, Jay? I have mine written down. Uh, we have not discussed this to this, but this is, this is fresh, fresh material here. What are you doing? I'm going to say Bengals 23, Browns 20. <laughs> and that's five field goals to help me get that run passer boot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what that's it's what's most important. You're trying to find a way to check every box that we have in the air right now. Okay. Uh reasoning. I I don't think it's gonna be the shootout that we've seen in the past. I do think it's gonna be close. Um I it just it it feels like that's gonna be that kind of game and it it feels like a bounce back for the Bengals defense. The Browns defense is clearly their stronger unit. Um, it, it's going to be tough sledding. No one's going to, uh, there's not going to be these deep balls, these deep shots in this game. It's going to come down to teams executing the red zone. And if, if the defenses are better, that's when you settle for field goals. And I just, I just feel like it's good. That's going to be the case. I don't know if it's going to be an Evan McPherson at the gun. I did predict in my second half predictions that he would kick a 60 yarder at some point this year. Uh, I don't think that happens this week, but yeah, it, it's going to be low scoring and tight. And that's, that's why I went 23, 20. All right. It's funny you said that because I have Bengals 24, Browns 21. Hmm. I think we're kind of, we're in the same zone. We're thinking very similarly. Uh, I have one for you. I have something for you. Jade, when you, when you had classes, did you ever do research ahead of class, kind of thinking about something that they might talk about in your class? Do a little like pre homework? Um, I did. My wife tells the story. I had a statistics class. This will surprise nobody, but I had a statistics class in college and she came over and she's like, what are you doing? We don't, and she was in the class with me. She's like, we don't have statistics homework. I was like, I know I'm just doing it for fun. I just was going through the, the <laughs> book and going, doing problems just cause I loved it so much. And it, I found it interesting. And so I did, I, I, I didn't necessarily do pre-work with the anticipation of it coming up in class the next day. But I, I would from time to time do extra work just for no reason at all. Which you give to yourself all the time. I have one that I'm going to pre-work you. I don't think this is going to happen, but it is something to think about. When is the last time the Bengals beat their, won their first three division games of a year period, then won their first three division games of the year by double digit points. The last last one will be oh nine, right? Or was it fifteen? That they won the um, first three, period. But I'm curious. No that year, but I don't know if they won their first three division games. I don't know either. I'd have to I'd have to double check that I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff, but because I was really about the double digits. Has that ever happened? Like if they were to beat the Browns by ten knowing that they they stomped Pittsburgh and stomped Baltimore if they were to beat the Browns by 10 and I'm again I've already said my prediction is that this won't happen but has that ever happened I'll I'll look into it I will race our producer cam see if he can get the show up before I can find the answer and, <laughs> and I, you'll I will tweet, tweet it with the show yes okay I like it I like not only homework for yourself but challenging others <laughs> Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so let's uh, remind you, we will have the walkout on Sunday night after the game. Um, it will be good to be doing a home game walkout. Um, and then, of course, we'll be hitting the bye week after that. Uh, a lot of fun stuff planned for you as we kind of go forward with some different stuff. So keep an eye out for all of that. 
Hope everybody enjoys the game this weekend. Ocho Cinco will be in town as ruler of the jungle and potentially guest picker at college game day, I would think. Makes way too much sense. I mean, it has to be, right? I mean, is there a is there a UC grad that has a bigger national name than than Ocho Cinco? I mean, how many people actually know Travis Kelsey went? And he couldn't come anyhow. The Chiefs play this week. Oscar Robertson, but he doesn't live in town anymore. Ocho's Nor would he have here. any interest in being a guest picker. No, probably not. So, yeah, it just it feels like this. It's just the perfect storm, and and he, I, I think he would be great on there. Um, and I, you know, he follows all sports, so I, I, I would put the odds on that at like one to five that he's the guy. You better believe Ocho is happy to put his face in front of a camera and promote all his things at Absolutely. any point. <laughs> if they were willing to ask him, he's saying yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't slated to be ruler of the jungle this weekend. And then when he said, I'm coming into town to do this guest picker thing, if you want to double up, he may have told the Bengals that. I don't know that he, and I'm sure there was at some point this year they played on him being a part of it, but uh, he will be there. We will also be there, Jay. So I, I look forward to that happening. And uh, it should be a fun one. Again, a game that matters. It's nice to be covering a team that is in these games that matter as we enter November. Cold games that matter. Even better. Been a while. It, hopefully it won't be too cold. It's supposed to be kind of balmy. It's actually supposed to be nice considering how cold it's been this week. So I saw yeah. low 60s, sunny. So perfect day to uh, spend a couple hundred bucks on a ticket. I'm sorry I keep bringing this up. I'm just like so used to Bengals tickets being cheap and available and seats being empty. I think we're going to see that 65,000 threshold crossed. Yeah, I, my my son's girlfriend lives in Cleveland. She's a Browns fan, and he he's a Bengals fan, and he wanted to come to this game. And I thought, oh, yeah, no problem. I looked at the tickets. I was like, sorry, Braden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying them for you, and your your salary working in the kitchen at Lucky's isn't going to buy them for you either. So Yeah, you better Enjoy hope the game. big tips uh, on, <laughs> on, uh, on Friday night. You're going to need them, so. Uh, All right, everybody enjoy the game on Sunday. We will talk to you on the walkout. Have a good one, everybody. Mm